Gather round, children. This is the Dice Tower Network. The Broken Meeple, Season 2, Episode 33, Rankings. It's good to be back behind the microphone, guys, for another podcast, and I've got two interesting topics to go through today. Firstly, following a Facebook thread that somewhat went a bit viral, I want to just give a quick message about how you should interpret reviews from different people. And then secondly, I'm going to go through the top 25 games of Board Game Geek, discuss what I think of its rankings, and what I think of the games. Hello and welcome to another podcast episode for The Broken Meeple. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all your feedback and kind words that you've said over the past couple of months, particularly while I was at Essen. Hope you enjoyed the Essen review uh, video slash audio that I did before. This is just a straight up audio show. And of course, you can check out the rest of the content on the channel. I've got reviews for Arkham Horror 3rd Edition, Quartermaster General of the Cold War. Uh, let's see... Um, it's definitely other good ones up there, you know, written reviews on the blog for things like uh, Discover Lands Unknown and Dice Settlers, and there's going to be more videos coming out probably after this podcast is released, like uh, Teotihuacan, The City of Gods, and Blackout, and a big compilation video of lots of other reviews. Yes, um, I'm kind of getting to the point where I have to monitor my stress levels, because stress is getting quite high. Combining job with a social life, a pretty active social life, and, you know, the blog, especially around this peak time, is pretty stressful on the body system. <laughs> you know, I go to the gym to try and de-stress. I've considered taking up things like meditation. I am trying to cold turkey caffeine at the moment, which is meaning that I'm going through not only periods of slight headaches, but also just generally being really tired because I don't get early nights anymore. And like I say, I'm thinking about how I'm going to develop season three when I get round to actually learning the stuff for that. I mean, that's how busy it is. I've barely managed to start thinking about that. But don't worry, I'll still have something in place for the new year. That's the plan. And so I've got to think about my workload. So I've got plans in motion for season three, but what I'm going to do starting from now is... If we get these periods where there's just so many games, because people want to know about a lot of games, they want to know my views on them, and I can't do a video for every single one, it's just not physically possible to fit it in the time, as well as doing top 10s, and eventually the solo walkthroughs you want me to do in season 3. So, I've had to come up with a solution, and this is what I've got, and I've managed to, you know, agree it with Asmodee and, you know, others in terms of, you know, are you willing to send review copies knowing I'm going to do this, and... Essentially, I'm going to tailor what I review and what I do as a compilation video. So if the game is particularly well hyped, like a big hype train, or if it's really popular, or somebody like, oh, we really need to know this, this is a landmark game of the year, it'll get its own review video. Arkham Horror 3rd Edition was a big deal. People were on a hype train over Blackout because of the designer. Uh, Teotihuacan City of Gods was hyped about like crazy because of the previous designer doing Zulkin and just, just how fun the game was getting, you know, how much buzz it was getting, sorry, during things like the Games Expo and, you know, stuff like that. I have also done some reviews as written reviews because 
doing some written reviews is easy way to get stuff done a little bit quicker. So as I say, if you are on the YouTube channel or on this podcast, I certainly urge you to take a look at the actual blog page as well, brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk, where you will see my written articles as well. So they're full reviews, they're proper reviews after many plays, but they're just in written form and it's not like I'm going to be able to say on the YouTube channel, oh, go check out my blog, there's a written review. No, you kind of need to either subscribe to the you know, the written blog or just check it every now and again and just see if there's another written review in place. I share it on my Twitter and Facebook and on a, you know the Facebook group, so you hopefully will get an indication of it, but just a word of warning, you might want to check out the written blog as well as the podcast and the YouTube channel to get all the content. But what's this compilation video? Well, the compilation video is where I'm going to do quick reviews for lots of games at once. Tom Vassell's done this on the Dice Tower during the podcast, where it's like he's so behind on reviews, he just does a quick fire mode. This is kind of similar. What I'm going to do is the games that are not as well buzzed, you know, maybe expansions, maybe games not many people have heard of, or maybe just the games that are on my review pile and it's just hard to get them played, will be done in the compilation video. Now, what this means is that I will review each game in succession, but probably spending no more than, say, three to five minutes on each game. I'll give you a very brief overview of what the game's about, and I'll give you my thoughts and some major points of like and dislikes, and probably a number verdict as well. Now, not all these reviews will be based on multiple plays. Some of them may be first impressions after one play, because, like I said, there's a lot of games to get played. I will make it perfectly clear to you if that is the case, okay? You will know if it's a first impression or a full review. The majority will be full reviews, but occasionally some games are just harder to get to the table, and so they require only a first impressions thought. But what this means is I can tackle maybe 8 to 10 games in one fairly lengthy-ish video. You know, 5 minutes on 8 different games, 40-minute video. Things like Camelot 2nd Edition, Azul, Stained Glass of Zintra, Selenia, uh, uh, The River, uh, Rakeholt, um, the Icelandic game, um, probably uh, Spy Club, maybe, uh, we'll see. Spell Smashers, Princess Jing, um, what else is there? Oh, I know those others. Well, I can't think of them off the top of my head. But like I say, there's going to be a lot of games covered in these compilation videos. And it means that I can give you my thoughts. I can give you a rating. You get the content you want. Yes, it won't be a 20-minute full disclosure of the game and everything about it. But I should be able to get quite a bit covered in those five or so minutes, providing I just stick to my guns and don't waffle on too much, which is easier said than done, I agree. So hopefully that's a good format for you, you know, Asmodee are comfortable with this, but it means that in periods like now, where it's just games after games after games released, it means I have a chance of keeping up and not stressing myself to the point where I can't get these things done. Because if I try to do a full video for each of these games, I'll be releasing these into February, March. And then there's other games I've got to get played. I need the time. And like I say, season three, I've got to learn all the Adobe Creative Suite and that, and I need the time. So hopefully, once I've done this first compilation video, it should free up a bit more time because I'm not expecting too many games to release right before Christmas. I think we've had the majority of the Essen hits now, and so I'll be taking a bit easy there. And of course, most of the Christmas holiday, I'll be working on the blogging season free anyway, and you'll be surprised how much you can get done when you can just focus on it. I've already got the courses ready to learn the stuff, so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. But in the season three, the new year, this whole idea of just spending a little bit of time doing compilation videos and that should hopefully help with my stress levels, because I gotta think about my health as well as doing the blog.
So enough about that. Let's get on with the main topics of the day. First up, this Facebook thread. I'm not naming names, I'm not trying to shame anyone here because it, was, it wasn't anything done as an evil thread or anything like that, so don't get the wrong impression. But this generated a lot of buzz, a lot of comments, and everyone had an interesting view on the subject. But this was brought up because of a game that's been released recently called Cerebria. Cerebria is a very heavy game released by Mind Clash Games and David Turksey, who are known for doing things like Anachrony and uh, well, Mind Clash in general, like Anachrony to carry on and stuff. They're like really heavy but very thematic Euros. And I like each and every one they've done so far, so can't knock them for that. But what spawned with this thread was it was initially saying that you know, Tom Vassell had done a review of Cerebia and not been a huge fan of it, despite saying he actually understood that it was a really good game and people were going to love it, but it just wasn't necessarily his thing. And comments kind of spiraled out of control where, you know, sad to say, some people were kind of ragging on him, you know, the poor guy for, you know, oh yeah, I've grown tired of the Dice Tower now or I'm not a fan of this anymore and such. And it's like, no, 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 I still love the Dice Tower. But it was more just the way that people were either really latching on to just one guy's opinion as being their reason for not liking a game or deciding not to buy a game, you know, oh, is that, this guy said it wasn't that good, therefore no one's going to buy it anymore, that kind of thing. It's like, no, 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 hang on, people. Just hang on one little tick there. Because I have said this plenty of times in my videos as well. A review is just an opinion. It's just a guy or girl's opinion, nothing else. You, I always advise people that if you're thinking about buying a game, you should listen to as many people's opinions as you can. You know, I I have plenty of reviewers that I look to for reviews of games. There are some reviewers out there that I don't like watching, you know, because I either don't trust their opinion or I don't find like the video is entertaining or anything, you know, but I can't watch every single one. So I have to cherry pick the people I trust. The Dice Tower and all the people on there, I certainly do trust. I trust a lot of close friends that I know from across Facebook and Twitter in the UK who are pretty small fry when it comes to like, you know, the big picture. But it's like, you are passionate about games and I trust your opinion even if I don't agree with it. So, you know, I'm cool with that. So, but I do say that you need to listen to a variety of people. You know, I've, I've had plenty of people rag on me in the past with regards to, you know, some reviews I've put, like, how dare you hate on this game, you Philistine, you don't deserve to do reviews, you're just, uh, insert swear words here. You know, I've had plenty of that before, you know, just check out my top um, 10 overrated games video for a start. And I've always had to sort of say, even on the disclaimer I did on that video, it's just opinion. I don't control the market. I don't control people's minds about whether they should buy a game or not. Granted, I do get comments every now and again where somebody says, oh, I was in two minds about this game, but I listened to your review, I found it insightful, and you know, I'm deciding to go this way or that way upon this game. Okay, that's well and good. It makes me feel a bit good that someone took the opinion to heart, but I still suggest to them, have you at least listened to other people as well? You know, don't just take my word for it. I am not the guru of board games. You know by now the sort of games I like. I like Euros, I like Amerifresh, but I'm a big heavy, you know, guy for theme. And I like streamlined games, and I like gateway level games. And I do like heavy games, but I want the heavy game to be engaging and not take 
three and a half plus hours or something to do, you know, for the time it takes. I don't want games to be too punishing. I want them to, you know, not hold your hand, but not beat you senseless just because you made one mistake and then have you effectively knocked out for the rest of the game. You know, people know my tastes. So if you see me love or dislike a game, you'll get an idea as to why and you'll probably factor that into your own taste as well. I've always said Terraforming Mars was pretty overrated. I have warmed up a bit to Terraforming Mars recently, providing you use the speed variant in the rulebook for expansions and use Prelude. You know, and probably Colonies as well. I quite like Colonies. That was a good expansion. So, you know, I've warmed up a bit more to Terraforming Mars, but there's a very specific way I want to play it, and I don't want to play it with more than three players, ideally. So it's still got a bit of a too long time factor for me. But, yeah, like I say, I've warmed up to it a bit more. But, you know, you might love Terraforming Mars. It might be your favourite game ever. You might disagree with my opinion. But as long as you respected it and just took it to heart and thought, you know, okay, interesting views. But, you know, I've listened to other people as well. And overall, this is my opinion of the game. This is what I think of it. Perfect. You know, you, you've got your own mind. I don't control you. I don't influence you. You know, it's just, here's me talking about games because I love games. You love a game I don't like, fantastic. You hate a game I love, fantastic. It's your opinion, you're entitled to it. So I got no problem with that. But certainly, especially with Tom Vassell, he does not control the market as well. Just because he might say a game isn't for him doesn't mean it's a bad game. I mean, he actually said specifically that he liked Cerebria as a game and thought it was definitely going to get loved but it just necessarily wasn't for him and people sort of brought up Tricarion which was an old review he did where he did get some rules wrong when he was playing it he did an apology video for that and actually corrected himself but it didn't overall change his opinion of the game I know I've got rules wrong in games they don't completely rewrite my thoughts on the game just because you get a rule wrong and so, you know, people sort of took it a little bit too close to heart. But as I say, a review, just an opinion. If you don't agree with it, that's fine. If you do, even better. Especially if you found a few reviewers out there whose tastes align with yours. Or maybe the guy's tastes don't align with yours at all and you just like it for the entertainment value. I mean, why not? You know, some people watch uh, Shut Up and Sit Down mostly for the entertainment as opposed to the opinions. Personally, I'm not a fan of either, but, you know, it, that's just me. You know, everybody's got their own tastes, their own likes and dislikes. But definitely just remember you're your own person, okay? You know, you're the one who has to open up your wallet and, you know, click that button on PayPal or hand the cash over to your friendly local gaming store to buy a game. You're the one who pulled the trigger, not the reviewer. The reviewer mainly just told you what he thought of the game, what she thought of the game, and what was, it, what was it about? If that was enough to sway you, you obviously had your own intentions there to buy the game in the first place. You just wanted confirmation that what you thought was in there was kind of in there. But if you collate multiple views, you can form your own picture and then that's your decision to buy a game because let's face it, they're getting expensive and I think it's only going to get worse as time goes on, particularly in the UK with Brexit and everything. So, you know, you've got to think about your purchases and I just say, go out there Get all the opinions you can and just remember, they're only people and it's only a game. You know, it's no point getting riled up over a bit of cardboard and some fancy looking bits in it. And certainly there's no point ragging on an individual who's just giving his passionate view about a game just because his opinion doesn't necessarily gel with yours. Cerebria is going out to Kickstarter backers at the moment. I've got my copy, you know, and it's a cool game. You know, I'm not going to say any more about it because I need to get more plays of it. But... You know, people are loving it. 
people are sort of going, yeah, this is really cool. It's not too complicated once you get into it, but you know, the, the viewpoints are coming out there. Just because it wasn't necessarily for Tam does not mean that this game is going to suffer in sales. He does not control people enough for that. No reviewer does. Well, I don't know. Hmm, I don't know. Finger one or two maybe have adversely affected the market, but we'll see. You know, so, yeah, just take it easy. It's only a game. And just remember, we're all people. We're just giving opinions. You've got opinions as well. Let's just share them and be civil about it. That's the way to go. Okay, and now on to the main event. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, because obviously I, t I mentioned at the start 25 games, but I've always said on Facebook and that, and I've wanted to do this topic for a while, I've just never got round to it, I just don't care about what ranking a game gets on BoardGameGeek. People go mad about whether a game is above someone else in a ranking, or, you know, what's the number one game on BoardGameGeek? It's this one. Yay, it's the best game ever. Is it? Seriously? You know, the, just because the game is number one on BGG does not mean everybody's going to like it. And I would argue that some of the games on the top of the rankings are probably quite niche games in the sense that only diehard gamers are going to play these. And it's just the fact that those diehard gamers love it so much that the ranking goes up from it. But I can think of a few games that I recall from the top, like the top 100 where I'm like, I wouldn't show this to anybody. Not necessarily because I don't like it, but it might be such a heavy game or an out there kind of game that I'm like, I can't play this with my family or these friends or these new people who have come to my Portsmouth Gaming Club, you know, it'd just be way above their heads. So is that really one of the best games ever? Is Everyone's got their different opinions as to what constitutes the best game ever, but personally, I just ignore the board game ranks. <laughs> they mean nothing to me. I don't care about what the geek rating is. I don't care about the average rating is. At most, I have given some thought to the number of voters because certainly if a game is ranked really high and it doesn't have that many voters, I'm a little bit concerned. But, you know, for the most part, even that's kind of irrelevant. You know, some games are just going to be high up on the rankings and some of them are going to be really, really good games and some of them are going to be games that are good but I can't stand. You know, it's, it's I, that's why I just don't place any reliance on them. At the end of the day, do I enjoy the game? If so great. I don't care if it's rank 1, I don't care if it's rank 1000. If it's a fun game, I like it. It deserves to be at least respected. So what I'm going to do here is I've got my iPad out here and I haven't looked at this list for a while and I'm not browsing it at the moment, but I am going to talk briefly about the top 25 games on Board Game Geek, okay? I could do a whole thing on the top 100, but that would take me a while. I mean, Tom Vassell did like 10 videos on the subject. But I'm going to do the top 25. I'm just going to give my brief thoughts about what I think of these games, okay? So these aren't full reviews. These are kind of like overviews of what my thoughts are on them. And just going from, okay, if I was to care about the ranking, do I think they should be in the top 25? That's just a personal thing. So, you know, I'm just going to go through these now and see what we got. So, let's start. Let's scroll up here. 25 is, and this is as of the 29th of November 2018 when I'm doing this, so this list is accurate as of uh, that date at quarter to nine in the evening in UK time. Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition is 25. Well, you know how much I love this game. This was a top 10 for me in my top 100. It's right behind me, and I'm looking forward to getting the expansion Horrific Journeys to try out that one. So, you know, it's 
Again, though, ranked 25, I mean, this is definitely my second favourite Cthulhu game, and it is one of the best Cthulhu games there is, but, you know, is everyone going for this? You know, the, this. I, I suppose it's not a huge barrier to entry rules-wise, but it's quite a costly game, but the app is fantastic, and so I can see this being highly ranked, but 25th best game ever? Well, it was my 5th or 6th best game ever, so I suppose can't argue with it too much, but yeah. But then you look at the number of voters, and it's about 15,000, so it's like, the people who love this really love it. Uh, 24, Brass Lancashire. Now, I gave a review of this, it's one of my most viewed review videos, actually, funny enough, and I gave it about a 6. I, I still think it's a solid Euro game, it's just not one I'm going to go gung-ho for, because the theme of it just being economics and building industrial cotton mills and stuff isn't something that I'm going to gravitate towards. But I respect the game for what it is. It's definitely my favourite Martin Wallace game, and as much as I think he's a lovely guy, I don't really tend to go for his games. So the fact that I can respect Brass speaks volumes, but I'm not surprised to see this high on the list. You know, Eurogamers, heavy Eurogame lovers love Brass Lancashire, so no surprise, but this one had less ratings than, well, saying that, it hasn't been out that long, so I suppose that's why. So... I mean, that's the thing with these ratings. They only get so much, depending on how long they've been released. Uh, 23 is Spirit Island. This one has very few ratings. Only 7,000 ratings. In fact, is that the lowest? That is... Nope, 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 nope. Uh, it's about the second or third lowest number of voters for the top 25 games-wise, funny enough. I didn't browse through the games. Don't worry, I just looked at the number of voters column. But yeah, Spirit Island. This is a solid co-op. I've only played it once. Um, I think it's a bit... Aesthetically, it could do with a bit of an improvement. It's got a lot of replay value, and I love the theme with it. It was a solid co-op game, but it is quite lengthy and it is quite complex. That's my only thing with it. I'm probably quite surprised it's this high in the list, but I suppose the ones who like the heavier complex games are glad to see that there is a thematic co-op that can be heavy and complex. So, you know, I can see this one being popular, but 23, that is saying something. 22, I don't like this game at all. This is Mage Knight, the board game. I'm sorry, Vlada Shavato is not my favourite designer in the world. It's like, here's a very complicated game, let's shove a bunch of mechanics in it. What's the theme? I don't know, I don't care. But, you know, I think Vlada Shavato has done some good party games. I mean, Codenames is good, and I like um, Pictomania, the second edition one, but... Yeah, the stuff he does for like the big Euro games, Mage Knight, I just did not like this. It was like, you know, I'm spending three hours plus going through this map, and I barely do anything, and everything's just all about this weird deck building part of it, and it's like, where's the theme? I don't know. It's It really just did not win me over that one, but called Blimey. When you talk about solo games, everybody loves this game, it seems. So, yeah, the fact that it's 22, not a surprise. Uh, Agricola is 21. I'm surprised this is still this high. Especially if Caverna's a lot better. Sorry, it just is. But saying that, they re-released Agricola recently, so it's got back into the limelight with better components, more cards and that. And I still like Agricola. It's fine. I just think it's too punishing, and I hate that it caps you on points for wanting to be your own thing. So everybody's farm looks the same at the end because you have to do everything, otherwise you lose points. And losing those points is a huge swing. I mean, minus two points or minus one point compared to one or two points is a swing. So I just don't like the way it restricts you, which is why Caverna completely outclasses Agricola for me. Hopefully it's somewhere further up this list. Oh God, number 20. Hate this game. This game is rubbish. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Concordia, hate it, hate it, hate it. Everybody loves this game. It is no surprise it is up in this, uh, you know, top 25 because everybody lords about this game from 2013. It's only got 17,000 ratings, but... 
it's still so popular and the people who love it adore this game, but I will never understand why. I find it boring, I, I find it pretty. That's about the only good thing I can say about it. I find the card management system in it boring. I find the paths to victory unbalanced. I find the, the time it takes too long for what it is. The theme is non-existent. And even then, it's trading the Mediterranean. Who cares about that theme? I find it boring. I hate it. I couldn't care less if it was up in the top 20. This is not a game I ever want to play again. Number 19, Arkham Horror, the card game. Oh yeah, my what, third favorite game, fourth favorite game of all time. I don't know, I really enjoy this one. It is my favorite Cthulhu game though, and this is just a solid LCG. I mean, the narrative storytelling in this is top notch. Love it. You know, you it's, it's a barrier to entry to pay the money for the cycle packs and stuff, but you can go at your own pace. It's a co-op, but it's, it's just... The mechanics aren't too complex. The deck building opportunities are quite vast with the number of investigators you can have and the different factions you have. But the story elements for each cycle where you play through an eight uh, scenario campaign effectively with a deluxe edition and six cycle packs and narrative choices appear depending on what you do in each scenario. Like, did you steal from this guy or did you leave him alone? Well, that might come up in a later scenario and give you some bonus or penalty. It's stuff like that that happens all the time and it is only getting better and better with each cycle. Dunwich was good, Carcosa was really good, Forgotten Age was excellent. You know, it's just getting better and better and I can't wait to see how this develops. But yeah, 19, I actually thought it would be a bit higher, but maybe not everyone's into LCGs. 18, Viticulture Essential Edition. What was this, my number two game, number three game? I forgot, but yeah, I mean, I love Viticulture. Caveat, you gotta have Tuscany with it. Not just Essential Edition, you need the Tuscany bits as well. You, you need that flip board, you need the orange structures, you need the advanced uh, replacement cards for the visitors, you need the upgraded components. I mean, you just need Tuscany in there. But my God, I love this Euro, and I'm glad to see it's this high, because I'm actually quite shocked it's this high, though, because... Uh, 14,000 voters are not tons, but yeah, most people, I see some people that go, oh yeah, I really love this game and that, but I hear a fair few people rag on it as well, maybe because they just want to be anti-Stonemaier, I don't know, probably because of Scythe, but yeah, I don't hear people constantly go on about this game, but I love it, still one of my favourite Euros, will it be in the top 10 next year? Not certain on that one, but uh, yeah, I still really enjoy playing this one, so I'm glad to see that even just the Essential Edition is at number 18. Number 17, ha 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 ha, Caverner, you beat Agricola, and deserved. Yes, I love Caverner. Sandbox games are definitely something I like to do because I like to do my own thing, but Caverner gives you the feeling that Agricola had. Yes, you don't have the cards, that's fine. Agricola's cards are really cool, if a bit unbalanced. But I love the fact that in Caverner, if I want to do nothing but farm 100 sheep, I can do it and I'll still get a lot of points for it. The last game I played, I barely went outside and I had an entire cave full of mines and donkeys. I was feeding myself through basically donkey milk, it seemed. <laughs> you know, that was pretty much all I had. And I just made rubies and ore, went out on adventures to get the last bits of food I needed. It was great fun and it was my path. I chose it. I cannot wait to break out the expansion. I haven't done it yet. I haven't had a chance to play Caverna since I got back from Essen. But the Forgotten Folk expansion with the uh, different races. I can't wait. I want to play it. I want to play it. I want to play it. But yeah, glad to see that this is high up in the list 17. And certainly glad that it'd be that Agricola. Number 16, Puerto Rico. Yeah, Puerto Rico is a solid game. However, I'm not surprised it's this high because the Euro game lovers who love it love it. But uh, I'm a bit put off Puerto Rico. For starters, I've got San Juan. And San Juan I just signed to be an easier game to get to the table. It's got that similar theme-ish. And I like that mechanic in San Juan as much as Puerto Rico. So it's like... 
Sand wands there, why do I need this? And I also don't like the fact that, my god, if you ever wanted elitists in a game, Puerto Rico sharks are some of the weirdest people that I don't want to play games with half the time because they, they literally, I have played games of Puerto Rico or seen games of Puerto Rico where you can just see that the elitists in this game are inside their head cursing or outwardly cursing, you know, the person who's taking a turn that they didn't expect because they've got their own secluded way of how to play this game. And it's like, well, not everybody's an expert at Puerto Rico. And even just where you sit around the table can irk some of the elitist players. And stuff like that just puts me off a game when someone takes it way too seriously. Yeah, so not surprised it's high up. I'll play it with the expansion preferably, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done with Puerto Rico. I don't really need it anymore. Uh, 15, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. I'm still surprised that this one gets ranked so highly. I mean, it's it's a good game. It's a good game, yeah, although I'm not blown away by it. I mean, it's a six-hour-plus game. It takes ages to play. It's certainly complex, and even with the 4th Edition one, I find that it's basically just a case of everybody clusters around Mechatol Rex, has a bit of a fight, and somebody wins. It's, uh, you know, I wish it was a little bit more open-ended than that, but, uh, this is one of the lowest ones for rankings, though. Four and a half thousand voters. That's it. Only four and a half people, have, four and a half thousand people have rated this game, and yet it's still number fifteen. But if you want a big epic space Amerifresh, you can't really do much bigger and epic than Twilight Imperium. And I do like this game, but in small doses every now and again. Certainly, it's not one that I'm going to purchase. 14. This is a game I haven't played actually, so there's not much I can say about this. Seventh Continent. Although the reason I haven't played this, and despite the fact I would like to play it, is because it's Kickstarter only. I am sick and tired of these Kickstarter only people, you know, it's like, if you think this game is great, and you want people to play your game, then put it on retail sales, seriously. I am not prepared to spend loads of money on a Kickstarter on the hope a game is going to be good, okay? I want to have some decent proof, or I'm just going to wait for a retail version, but, you know, if you're going to continue with this practice, I may never ever get to play Seventh Continent. But if it's anything like Discover Lands Unknown, <laughs> I hope it's a lot better than Discover Lands Unknown, because let's just say the baby version of Seventh Continent didn't win me over. Number 13, Seven Wonders Duel. Oh, yes, I wonder if Seven Wonders is higher on this list. But uh, Seven Wonders Duel, yeah, that is a fantastic two-player game. I think it was my, my number 10, number 9, number 11, I can't remember, but I rated this one highly. It's a solid two-player game. I mean, the Seven Wonders normal game, the two-player mode in that was bleh, didn't like it. But this takes, it gives you that feeling of Seven Wonders, but adds some extra rules, auto-win conditions, and the expansion Pantheon, it gets a hit-and-miss relationship with people, but I really love it. The fact that you can change the tempo of the game and say, right, well, I'm not going to take a card, I'm going to pay money and use this god power. I get a cool bonus, now you have to take a card, because you can't afford a god. And doing stuff like that is such a great tactical element in the game, but for something in a small box... That still gives me the feeling of one of the best drafting games in existence. Oh yeah, I'm not surprised that this is popular because loads of people love this. I mean, 36,000 votes on this one, voters. This is possibly the highest one it is. I think it is, 34,000, 36. Oh no, there's a 55, oh yeah, Puerto Rico, 55,000. That's been out for ages, so yeah. And 55 for Agricola, yeah, that's been out loads. Yeah, yeah, this is the third highest number of voters for a game in this top 25. So, uh, yeah, that speaks volumes. 
Number 12, I have also not played, but I really want to play it. There is a shrink copy in the middle of Dice Portsmouth, the game cafe. It's in shrink. I don't know why they even have it on their game shelf. This is War of the Rings 2nd Edition. I've always been tempted to buy this game, but the problem is it's a two-player only game. I think you can play it with more players, but it's that silly thing of, uh, you know, basically, oh yeah, let's spend, you know, let's split the forces up. Don't like that. I want to play one-on-one. -on -one. And they, the owner of Dice Portsmouth, you know, Lee personally, wants to play this with me. We are going to need a whole day to open it, unbox it, learn the rules, and play it, which is the problem we have at the moment, but I would love to play this because I love Lord of the Rings. But will it be a bit too much for me? Would I prefer to play Battle of the Five Armies instead? We'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised it's number 12, to be honest. I didn't think this was, like, so highly rated, you know, to get to number 12, but it's a game I really want to try. Certainly a lot more than some continent. Number 11, don't like this game. It's... It's okay, but it's so dry and drab and not aesthetically pleasing. It's so it's basic. It's why is I suppose maybe because it's easy to get into is why everyone loves it. But I just don't get why the Castles of Burgundy is so loved. It's number eleven. But what is it about this game? I mean, the it's dry as a bone. There is no theme. It's not that pretty, and not a lot happens in it. It's just. Do this, play some dice and get points. Is it just because it's streamlined and elegant in the sense that it's easy to get into that people love it? I just, I don't know with Castles of Burgundy. And I'm sure a load of you love this game. But if it ever shows up in a mixture of games, it's the la one of the last things I'm looking at. But then, I'm not a Stefan Feld fan, so I don't tend to go for his games in general. In fact, I got rid of Amerigo recently, so I think I'm correct in thinking I no longer have a Stefan Feld game in my collection. And the reprint of Trajan, who cares? Number 10, Terra Mystica. Now, this I think is going to be a bit of a cheat because uh, I feel that Gaia Project's probably higher than this. I'm not entirely sure, but Gaia Project is basically the exact same game, just with a space theme and some tweaks. I don't have Terra Mystica anymore. I have Gaia Project because I enjoy Terra Mystica. I mean, I'm not surprised it's number 10. It's a very good Euro game, but it had limitations and I was starting to get a little bit bored with it. You know, it is super dry, there's no theme, etc. But Gaia Project improved on the formula, and now I have Gaia Project instead of Terra Mystica. So this is a bit like some of those games where you see the second and third edition pop up on the same page, and it's just like, well, no. <laughs> I don't think it should be like that. But yeah, this is a great heavy Euro game. You know, you're terraforming pieces for area control. You've got lots of different uh, asymmetrical powers and styles of play based on the boards. This was a solid game, even if it was dry as a bone. But... No longer in my collection, because Guy Project replaced it. Number nine, don't like this game at all. Great Western Trail. Oh, great. You know, I gave Terraforming Mars some flack for being overrated, but at least I've warmed up to it a bit now, and I can see the goodness that's in Terraforming Mars. I don't see the goodness in Great Western Trail. This one I just think is overrated, period. You know, it's... The theme is barely there. It's n I don't feel like I'm a cowboy rustling up cow when I play uh, Great Western Trail. Looks-wise... It's okay, but it's still fiddly as all get out with like, you know, having to sort of think, right, I'm going on these buildings, that I owe him money, and I need to deck build these cows. Yeah, why is deck building in this game, by the way? You know, I'm taking my cows to market. I know where my cows are. So why do I have to deck build my cows? Why is it that when I get to the market, I can't sell my really good cows because for some reason they've all become ninjas and they're hiding behind trees whilst I'm trying to sell, decide who I'm selling? 
That was put in solely to have mechanics. I am positive on this fact. There is no way that at the start of the design of this game, Alex thought, oh yeah, let's make the cows about deck building. This was just to please Eurogamers. It must have been. I don't know, but it takes too long. That timer takes forever. I just find myself, when I played Great Western Trail in the past, to be completely and utterly bored. Don't like this game. Not surprised it's number nine, though. Loads of people adore it. Well, 16,000, so it goes to not that many people. But, yeah, those who love it, love it two bits. Oh, there you are. Eight is Gaia Project. Yeah, fair enough, then. Well, I would like to wipe Terra Mystica off the list, please, and shove the list up. So, 26 is... Orleans, okay, you can be the new 25, because frankly, Terra Mystica and Gaia Project are 95% the same game, it's just that Gaia Project has introduced a space theme and tweaked a couple of rules, but it improves on Terra Mystica, so frankly, Terra Mystica might as well not be on the list anymore, it should just be Gaia Project. But, yep, I like both games, but yeah, seriously, if you're going to put two next to each other, I'll play Gaia Project. Number seven, ooh, another one of my favorite games, and this one is not overrated, despite the fact a lot of people like to think it is, but, you know, different strokes for different folks, I'm not going to rag on them, but Scythe, number seven, ooh, love it, and it's higher than Great Western Trail as well, but uh, yes, unfortunately, I'm guessing it's lower than the other one. But Scythe is oh, a fantastic Euro game. I mean, it's got player interaction. It's got like asymmetrical boards. It's got great variety. It looks the business. It's so pretty. The Fenris expansion was brilliant. It had the cool campaign mode, but the modules it added really spice up the game. And the game was already in a top 10 before. It is still going to be in my top 10 probably next year because uh, with the expansions it has now, Scythe is just such a joy to play. I've pimped out my copy. In fact, the only thing I don't think I've pimped out is I haven't got the custom worker meeples or the improved encounter tokens. But I definitely pimped up those pawns. You know, I've got the big solid cylinder pawns from uh, Board Game Extras and that. And if I get some spare cash on the hip, I might get those worker meeples because, frankly, love Scythe, number seven, not surprised. And by the way, spoiler alert, it won the Dice Tower People's Choice Top 100. Woohoo! Second year in a row. Number six, Star Wars Rebellion. Whoa, okay, that's surprising. I have it on my shelf. I think it's a fantastic game, but I've probably forgotten the rules to it by now because it's so hard to get it to the table. It's like a two to three hour monstrosity for two players. It's hard enough finding the time, let alone doing something like that for two players, but boy, Star Wars in a box. It is a solid game. I like playing both sides. I think my favorite is to play the uh, Rebels in this one because I like being the, like, oh, I'm on the run, I'm hidden, I've got... Slightly underpowered to the opponent, you know, but they don't know where I am. I'm going to play mind tricks with you. You know, so it's a really solid game. Surprise, it's number six for being such a heavy and hard game to do. 15,000 voters. I mean, there's quite a few, but yeah, love it. Not going to deny that. Number five. Ah, this one was number one for a fair while before it got knocked off. Twilight Struggle. I get it. Sort of. <laughs> I'm not a big history buff. And I don't tend to go for a lot of history-themed games overly. But, you know, I have played Twilight Struggle a couple of times. And it's uh, it's fine. It's fine for what it is. It's a tough two-player head-to-head game. And I do like the fact that it's uh, quite a tense one. There's all sorts going on in it. And, but I just don't care too much about the history. And the theme only comes out so-so in it. So, alright. Oh, actually, no, it's a lie. The theme is strong, but I just don't understand half of it. I suppose it's more accurate. You know, so... Yeah, I respect it. I don't see why it's this high on the list, and I certainly don't see why it was number one, but, you know, see my previous rant about rankings. But, oh well, fair enough. Twilight Struggle number five. 
Oh, there you are. Terraforming Mars number four. Well, okay, fair enough. I have warmed up to it. I don't think it's the fourth best game ever, but I've warmed up to it. But I have to be specific. I have played it with more than three players, but ideally I want it three or less players because I just hate the downtime that always ensues in that game and the fact that it takes nine on two and a half to three hours to finish every single game. But I also need two other things in it. I need Prelude because Prelude was a fantastic expansion. It really should have been in the base game and it does shave a little bit off the time of the game. Great. But there's also an expansion variant that when you play with expansions, it says that you can speed up the game more by having the lead player raise a, or the person in the last place, I can't remember, raise one of the global parameters, like put an ocean out, raise the temperature oxygen, and not get the bonus for it. But every generation. So every generation, one of those markers is going up. Combine that with Prelude, especially if you're playing three or four players, the game is a good paced game. And suddenly it doesn't overstay its welcome. Problem is, not everyone has Prelude. And not everyone wants to play that variant. In fact, I seem to be one of the only people who wants to play that variant. If I had a choice, I'd do the plus one production at the start of the game as well to speed it up even more, but uh, I can live without that one because of Prelude, so I'm not too fussed about using that. But that expansion variant rule should be used, but nobody wants to do it. Oh well, if I ever find myself with a copy of Terraforming Mars in the future, I'm getting Prelude, probably Colonies, and I'm using that rule, so tough. Uh, you don't like it? Play another game. Number three, here we go, Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization. Now, I mean, this one in the top 100 is cheating anyway, because somewhere down the list is its second, it's, sorry, it's third edition now, and I'm sure the second one's probably high up on the list somewhere. It's the same game, stop having multiple versions of it. You know, the ranking system's broke, I've already said it, but Through the Ages is a solid civilization game. It's, you know, I respect it. It is a solid game, but it is just way too long. I mean, with two players, you're still talking like a three-hour game. It's ridiculous. And when you play this with three or four players, you might as well just, like, lose the will to live instantly because it just takes so long with so much downtime and so much, like, admin that I just can't be bothered with it. However, as much as I probably wouldn't go for you know, the board game version of this, I can't deny that the app for Fruity Ages, I haven't bought it because it's quite an expensive app and I don't know how often I'd get to play it, but wow, I mean, no denying that it is a fantastic app. If you're thinking about trying Fruity Ages 4th edition, look at the app first, because if anything, I think the app completely negates the need to have a board game. Number two, now this was number one for a short while, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Now, if anything in this list is going to be regarded as a number one game, personally I would pick something like Scythe, but you know, I respect the fact that Pandemic Legacy could be number one. I still think it shot up to number one a little bit too quick, but at the end of the day, Pandemic is one of the best gateway games to introduce people to the hobby. I've kind of grown bored of it now, apart from Pandemic Iberia and the Legacy games, but you know, it's still respected as a great gateway game. Pandemic Legacy just took things up to like several notches and gave you a really good campaign setting and introduced like the legacy setting to a bigger audience. So I gotta give it props. It's a fantastic game. And so if it's gonna be this high on the list, I'm cool with it really. So well deserved. I enjoyed my time with both Pandemic Legacies. In fact, I've got the boards on my wall in front of me here. So uh, if you come around my house, spoiler alert, but yeah, good memories with a select group of friends who are Pandemic fans, you know, we had some good fun times with this, so I respect Pandemic Legacy. And number one, yeah, well, I f figured this one already. I mean, I knew this was at number one regardless, because all I hear is Gloomhaven this and Gloomhaven that. Oh, the Gloomhaven love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I I give it a six max. I mean, it's not ranking six, six out of ten. It's okay, but it's another dungeon crawl. I've seen it all before. Just because you make a dice represented by a deck of cards does not make it like so like innovative. The card system for damage, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, I don't like the fact that basic scenarios like go through three rooms can take nigh on three to four hours to play. The setup is really long. It's not the cheapest game in the world, although there is a ton of content. I've got to give it that. And it's not very aesthetically pleasing either. I mean, it's browns and that everywhere. Browns and reds. You know, it's not... There's a lot of things I have problems with, but I still respect it enough to give it a six, you know, because it is fun, but it's just too long and too involved and too too fiddly for something that I want to class as a number one game. But oh my gabble, people stopped jumping on this Gloomhaven hype train because of the amount of Dice Tower awards it had from the last slot and just everybody going mad and mad for this game. It even got into the People's Choice Top 10 as well. It's like, oh, for crying out loud, because this is one of those games where, despite the number of voters, I swear that there's something going on because I don't believe that that many people have got this game and are going nuts over it considering it was mainly a kickstarter thing and retail it's still expensive but it's just the people who love this so adore this and it's and like I say anything comes out by the designer or has the name Gloomhaven on it suddenly everyone gets hyped for it well newsflash founders of Gloomhaven was pretty boring Okay, so it's, uh, you know, don't think that everything with Gloomhaven on it is suddenly going to be amazing, okay? Founders of Gloomhaven was not that good, all right? <laughs> and so I'm, and a blatant cash grab as well. I mean, for crying out loud, it was an excuse to use the same artwork and to get hype buzz about it. That was all, because that game needed not any mention of Gloomhaven, and it would have been the same game. But, oh well, that's enough ragging. Like I say, people love it. It's number one. As I say, I don't take too much notice of the rankings anyway. Most of these games that I've listed, I like or at least respect. I mean, Pandemic Legacy, Through the Ages, Rebellion, Scythe, Gaia, uh, Wardering, I'm interested in, Jewel Great, Twilight Imperium, Caverna, Viticulture, Arkham Horror Card Game, Agricola, I respect, Spirit Island's good, Brass, I respect, Manchester Madness, great. The only ones that I outright hate are Mage Knight, Concordia, um, Castle of Burgundy, Great Western Trail, and I still respect Twilight Struggle. I respect Terraform Mars, and I suppose I give some respect to Gloomhaven, but I, I don't know, maybe my rating would drop to a 5. You know, I really just don't have an interest in playing that game again. You know, I gave it enough of a chance, but yeah, I just don't get the hype for it. So, yeah, that's the top 25. Maybe in another episode I could do... 50 to 26? I don't know, I don't see the point in doing that. But, like I say, I'm not a huge beef on the whole ranking thing it's just like i say they're there they're popular at least the database is there and i like using board game geek anyway but i just wanted to do a quick little overview of the top 25 and just give you my thoughts so if nothing else you've heard about 25 games although haven't played a couple so 22 23 games technically and you've got my thoughts on them so class it as a selection of mini reviews So, that's it. I'm going to head off now. It's time to catch up with some TV. i got lots of superhero shows to watch and Doctor Who and that. So, I've been recording all night. I've done two review videos, Blackout and Teotihuacan, and I've done this podcast. My throat needs a rest, okay? It needs a rest. So, I'm going to say goodbye, take care, and remember, as always, whether you love all those 25 games I just mentioned or don't care about them at all, they're still only games.
So I'll see you on the next podcast. I'll see you on the next Broken People Review video. And remember to check out the written reviews as well. And also, if you can, please check out the Patreon page. Even as little as a dollar in a month, it all goes a long way. It's got to a good level where it's maintaining my subscription fees. It's allowed me to get the Adobe Creative Suite a bit higher. And you can actually start requesting board games for me to review. You know, I will literally take the Patreon money, go buy the game, and I will review it based on your Patreon request. Surely that's a goal worth achieving, right? So, take care, and I'll see you next time. Have fun, guys. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy life to listen to this podcast presentation. If you like what you hear, then please check out my other material on my various other platforms. Firstly, the blog, brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk, where you can find all my written reviews and links to my other material. You can find me on my Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter at The Broken Meeple where you can ask me questions, get in touch, and just generally have a good conversation. You can also check out my YouTube channel where I'm posting anything from a review to a top 10 list to board game app playthroughs and hopefully much more in the future. And speaking of the future, if you want to support The Broken Meeple, then please subscribe to the Patreon campaign where you can assist in helping me keep this blog up and running and try out new ideas in the future. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and I hope you enjoy listening to my other material. For now, take care and enjoy playing games. For me and everyone else on the Dice Tower Network, have fun gaming. Remember folks, Dice Tower Network cares.